Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Lights Camera Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, I thought it'd be great to invite Al Skinner on the podcast here today. He's Boston College's all-time winningest uh, heads men basketball coach at BC and also now the current head coach at Kennesaw State University. And uh, it was really great to catch up with head coach Al Skinner. Uh, we talked about his career uh, first as a player growing up and then into coaching, his time at URI, of course, his time at Boston College, and now what he's up to with uh, Kennesaw State. So it was a very lively podcast. I think you'll like it a lot. Also, like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan and the season's right around the corner, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com for more details and to sign up. All right, we'll get right into the podcast with Al Skinner. First, let's hear from Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Loving Pizza. As always, thank you so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest here. Midsummer, a little slow in the college news, but a great guest and that's the you know the BC's all-time winning is basketball men's ball coach Al Skinner joins us now the head coach of Kennesaw State. First of all, coach, thank you so much for joining us here. It's nice to hear from you on the Lights Camera Sports Podcast. Oh, my pleasure to be with you, Coach. And I we go way back. I have to thank Coach Skinner. Freshman year, it gave me an opportunity to be a manager. It was a great experience. Four years at Boston College, uh, 2004 to 2008. That was some fun times, Coach, some great teams. No, it was a good time. And, no, we had some teams that were very competitive and, uh, you know, had, had drawn up a lot of interest around the city of Boston. Yeah, no question about it, Coach. Well, we'd like to kind of do where are they now. I like to profile all the guests. Let's take it way back with you, if you don't mind. You grew up in Long Island, Malvern, New York. Was basketball always your number one passion growing up and your number one sport? Well, actually, I, I really wanted to uh, play football, to be honest. Um, and uh, I played basketball. I mean, I probably played basketball much longer than I did football, but I had a love for football. But the, the problem with football is that I couldn't get the ball enough. I mean, I was a tight end, and I was like, I, I wanted him to throw me the ball on every play. And <laughs> I touched it. I was always involved, and so all of a sudden, 
you know, as I grew older, basketball became my passion, and uh, I was very fortunate to be good enough for it to uh, earn me a scholarship and and actually allow me to play professionally for a few years. And take us back to that time at high school, Malvern High School. Uh, you ended your career, a successful high school career. How did you decide on UMass? And just take us back to that route, how that all came together for you. Well, I mean, it, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, my high school team, we were uh, undefeated until the last game. We lost to the championship game, which obviously continues to hurt my heart because <laughs> well, we, <laughs> we just had an outstanding team. And, um, and then I was recruited to, uh, to go to the University of Massachusetts. Um, my high school coach and the assistant coach at UMass were very good friends. Uh, he was Julius's high school coach, and he just thought that UMass was a good place for me. That I, it was a place that I would be able to grow and and uh, and continue to improve myself. And and so I decided. And, well, actually, they decided and, and made it you know, made it a very attractive. And and uh, it didn't hurt to be able to follow Julius Irvin, Dr. J. And uh, and because of that success there, that Julius had, and then I followed it up with some success of my own. Uh, and just end up having a great career and, and play with some outstanding individuals and some people that, I was, that are, we're still friends to this day. So um, overall, it's, I was very fortunate to have a great experience in my high school and my college career. And when you go to the Mullen Center, of course, you see your band and your name there hanging from the rafters. I remember your office back at BC, a lot of UMass stuff. It was quite obvious you're very proud that you played at UMass. Just talk about what it was like, though, you know, day-to-day at UMass. You played, Rick Pitino was there as well. What was he like? And just your general thoughts, your moments of your career at UMass. Well, I mean, the thing about, you know, the thing about our team is that, uh, you know, everybody was was really very competitive. I mean, as you've already mentioned, Rick Pitino, but I I played with a number of other individuals that were local heroes in their their own right in the state of Massachusetts and uh, and Billy Endicott and Peter Trow and, and and some others who had outstanding high school careers, um, and so we just really came together as a team. I mean, a credit to Jack Lehman um, and the way he handled us as young players and the discipline that he gave us and the structure that he gave us, and um, you know, so we just really came together as a unit. And obviously, playing, you know, Julius was there and. and prior to me being there, had really created a, a platform and uh, some big shoes for me to fill if I was going to be the outstanding player there. And uh, so, but it all it really came together and, and I really enjoyed my time. But more important, I enjoyed the friendships and relationships that I made when I was there. And, and I still maintain those uh, to this day. So it, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of cold nights for sure. You know, being <laughs> in Western Massachusetts, a lot of snowy nights, but, uh, didn't at all mind the track with the going back and forth to Curry Hicks Cage, and it was a really intimate environment, and and um, I just really loved the support that we had received throughout the university, and because of all of that is why I, I you know, my time at the University of Massachusetts, I loved it, and, and never regretted the decision that I made to go there. I remember too, a side note, funny story, remember... I think it was Coach Patino said once he used to ride home with you to the Christmas break. He said you were quite a driver going back home to uh, Long Island. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, well, yeah well, when we were freshmen, he, he, was only, he was the only guy on the team that had a car. So we drove back and forth at home. And, uh, 
and I didn't mind driving. So it was, it was, uh, it was, it was. I mean, the trips were good, and had a chance to really develop, like I said, uh, you know, some relationships and some friendships, and and, and like I said, it's, it, those those friendships were maintained to this day, and um, and so I'm I'm very again I'm very pleased and very excited about my time uh, in school and in college, and and because of that, I really try to create a similar environment for the teams that I coach that as I tell them I said these friendships should be should last you for a lifetime as they have for me well said coach now let's take post UMass year I'd like to in, in, hear about this time period in your life in the ABA and the NBA what are your general thoughts in, in that time period well, you had you know quite a successful professional career well I mean I, I was again I was fortunate enough to, since I really didn't get a chance to play with juries in in college because there were still freshman teams and he played on the varsity and he left after his junior year and I was a freshman but we did have a chance to play together professionally both on the Nets and the 76ers and we had a chance to win a championship in the ABA and was on some successful teams in Philadelphia so I you know I was very blessed to be able to play with such a talent and see one of the all-time greats grow perform and really figure out what it takes to be a great player I mean, he really laid out a tremendous format in order for success, and all I had to do was follow in the footsteps. Obviously, not as good, but, you know, I think I got the most out of my ability, out of my talents, and never never really, really get, regretted uh, the decision on our relationships. I mean, we're, and we're still friends to this day. I mean, he lives here in Atlanta, and I'm fortunate to live here in Atlanta, and so we've been able to maintain our friendship throughout these years. But um, to watch one of the most exciting players to ever perform in professional basketball, to watch it night in and night out. You know, again, you recognize the discipline, but also the talent that it takes in order to excel at that level. Coach, interesting now, you progress through your professional career. Like any athlete, eventually, you know, the career of playing ends, those days end. I'm interested, how did you decide to get into coaching and did you want to do something else after your life, or did you fall into coaching? How did it all work when you started at Maris uh, and began your coaching career? Well, I, I actually I spent a couple of years in Europe, and I won a European championship while I was there. Yep. And I uh, played in Spain, and, and that was uh, right there in Barcelona, and, and that was a great experience for me. It really helped me grow, helped me mature. <laughs> um, and then when I returned, I realized that, I you know, I... I you know, I tried a couple of different positions, some sales positions. It wasn't something I was really excited about. And I thought that if I could get into coaching, I thought I had something to offer some young people to help them become better players, uh, to give them a foundation for what their future can be. And I was very fortunate to be able to uh, get an assistant coaching position at Marist College, worked there for a couple of years, uh, started to learn the ropes, I started to really understand what it takes to coach, uh, Jack Lehman at the time uh, really gave me some good pointers and, and some suggestions, along with Peter Broker, who was my who was assistant coach, uh, freshman coach when I was uh, at UMass. And between those two individuals, and also Ray Wilson, between those individuals, really helped develop me. And thought they felt that I had something to offer, and really gave me the foundation that I needed and the confidence that I needed to go into coaching. And then was presented with the opportunity at Marist. Um, and from there I went on to University of Rhode Island where I really got into the meat of things and, and started to establish what my, what my coaching philosophy 
And you kind of, in my opinion, you, you kind of develop your New England roots. You played at UMass, Marist, you know, up northeast, and then Rhode Island, New England. Uh, and then you eventually became head coach at URI, 138 and 126, a great run there. Just talk about those years. You had some awesome players, uh, NCAA runs at URI at uh, South Kingston. Well, the thing about, you know, the University of Rhode Island, prior to me arriving, they had gone to the tournament once every 10 years. And during my during my 13 years there, we had exceeded that. We went to the NCAA tournament, went to the NIT. We really became, uh, you know, we, we really became one of the upper echelon teams in Atlantic 10. And, and uh, I was very, very pleased about that. Um, I, they had some tradition, but not the consistency that I was trying to bring to the program. And, you know, so I was very happy with that. I, I brought in a freshman class that it went to postseason play four years in a row, and that had never occurred in URI's history. It has not occurred since then. Um, so I was, so our recruiting, we really started to have a nice foundation. We developed some consistency. Again, we started to develop an identity uh, in the college basketball world, which is very difficult to do. But we were able to do it, like I said, because we were consistent. Uh, we had some outstanding players. Uh, Katino Mobley played for played for me and obviously played professionally for a number of years. But we had some other outstanding individuals that went on to play uh, professionally, whether mostly in Europe. So overall, we started to bring in a level of talent that allowed us to be extremely competitive. We went to the NCAA tournament. We won games in the NCAA tournament. We won games in NIT. So we really had some really competitive teams and. And uh, I'm very proud of the success that I had at, at the University of Rhode Island. Like I said, they hadn't had that type of consistency since prior to me coming in, to be honest, since I left. And then people started to notice, Coach, around New England in, in uh, the spring of 1997. Uh, Boston College came calling to you. I'd like to, Before we get that, I'd like to think, what were your thoughts of BC even before you were coaching? Did you, if you thought about them at all, really? Uh, what did you know about BC before you uh, got to Chestnut Hill? Well, of course, I, I knew a lot about Boston College. I mean, I competed against them when I was in school at the University of Massachusetts. I, I, and obviously, being there, Rhode Island was very familiar with the <clears throat> with the history of Boston College and the history of the, the history of the city itself. But you know, BC had you know had a chance to you know had a chance. They had they were they had a chances to be really good, and they were good at times, and then they would fluctuate because it, it was such a turnover in coaches. You know, Coach had had some success. Tom Davis had some success. He leaves. You know, Gary Williams has a little success. He leaves. <clears throat> Jim O'Brien had a little success, and they left. So there, there was a turnover. Every time you had a turnover, there, 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 there was a dip. And one of the things I really tried to emphasize to Boston College when I went there is that, you know, you need a guy that's going to stay. I said, I'm more than interested in staying. There's no place I really want to go. I wanted to remain in New England. And so that was going to be extremely important for us to be successful in order for us to sustain success. They have, they have had it, but it was a roller coaster because every time there was a turnover in the coach, you know, they took a dip because there, there really was not enough talent throughout New England to sustain it year in and year out. It was very difficult. And on top of that, to be honest, at the time, UConn was making a tremendous run was you know Jim Jim Calhoun was having a tremendous amount of success at UConn, so all the better players in the New England area that was their first look was to go to UConn. So it made it it made BC a very challenging job, along with the fact that it was a great education, but it was 
going to be a challenge in education, and not everyone could navigate that environment and also navigate the city of Boston. Um, it, it was going to require some um, special individuals that were going to be able to come there and be successful both on and off the floor. And that's a great segue, Coach. Talk about your recruiting mindset those early days at BC. Uh, how did you go against the UConn to start attracting the kids? Um, and your sister coaches, of course, Bill Cohen, Ed Cooley, Tim O'Shea at the time, Pat Duquette, and then Bonzi Colson later. Talk about how you guys attacked that recruiting front. Well, the thing was is that, you know, it's, it's, it, it, we just could not go head-to-head with the so-called Blue Bloods. I mean, just the guys that were, I mean, UConn was, you know, winning national championships, going to the Final Four, doing those things, winning the Big East. You know, so it didn't, I, and as I told my guys, told my staff, I said, we can find the talent, but let's not, let's not try to go head-to-head with these individuals because we're going to be spinning our wheels and all of a sudden we're going to miss out on something else. So let's make sure that, you know, we want to recruit smart. And, you know, everyone talks about how hard you're going to, how hard you need to work, how hard you got to re- do in recruiting. It's not like how hard you work, it's how smart you work. And we were able to identify individuals that we thought would be able to compete uh, at that level. And not only compete, but have some success. And also got some guys that had a little chip on their shoulders because maybe they were overlooked for one reason or another. Um, they weren't on other people's radar. And we were able to manufacture those things and create a program that was going to be successful. And as time went on, we were, it allowed us to continue to, to improve our recruiting over a period of time. But I don't, but, you know, but it took time to change the, the, what people thought about Boston College and about the Boston area and about, you know, can they be successful? Are they invested in men's basketball? And, you know, it, you know, it takes time to pe- change people's minds. And we just started, and I, I mean, I, it took me that long, I mean, the amount of time that I was there to get people to start thinking seriously about BC as a destination, as a place that, you know what, we can send out better players there. We can send, you know, we, we can send our top talent there because they're going to get a great education and they're going to get a great, great coach and they're going to have a share of success. I mean, we were headed in that direction that we started to get some real name recognition in the program. But the way we started was, let's not, like I said, let's not waste our time going head-to-head with these guys and trying to prove that, you know, that, that, that we can coach, that we can be successful here, because our history doesn't say that, to be honest. BC history doesn't compare to UConn's history. It doesn't compare to Syracuse's history at that time. It doesn't compare to St. John's history. We didn't have that be honest and you had to be honest in that situation and because of that honesty and and because we found some individuals that said well those guys are not recruiting me but I can play against those guys yes coach I'm gonna come to BC and then I think I know the answer to this but was the, what was the first recruit that kind of changed the tide for you and kind of got you rolling for the later mid-2000s uh was there one player that stuck out to you well, I mean, there were, there were a number of guys that, that stuck out, but my really my first recruit that 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 I really that, that in the long run turned out to be a great player for us because he was a blue guy, and that was Kenny Harley. It was a kid that just played hard, hard nosed, you know, wasn't afraid of anything. And then we started to get the talent like the Troy Bell, yeah. the Ugarite Wise, and the Ryan Sidney's, and those individuals. 
but it was a, it was Kenny Hawley's type of attitude that we needed in order for us to be successful, and and that's like Troy gets the recognition, which which is right because I mean he's freshman of the year, player of the year as a sophomore, player of the year as a junior, second all time leading scorer in Big East history, all time leading scorer at BC, but it's Kenny Hawley's attitude that helped us become the team that we needed to be. So we recruited that first, and then came talent a little bit, little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit. Next thing you know, we're winning the Big East in regular season. We're winning the Big East tournament. We're competing. We're in the top ten in the country. You know, we, we had some consistency starting to build. Yeah, freshman year, my first year with you, 20-0. and 0. I was like, whoa, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a special time in the game that we lost to Notre Dame. Everybody was so upset at themselves because we we had the game under control, and unfortunately we we made a we made a defensive mistake, and they they took advantage of it and went on the last second shot. So it was a, it was a hell of a game for us. But you know, but to be twenty and zero, to go on the game, to go on the road and lose to Notre Dame on the road by a point. I mean, how could, at the end of the day, how could you really be upset at that, about that? No question about it. And, you know, the stat that I really like about your career, BC, NCAAs, of your last 10 seasons, NCAAs in seven of those years. So that shows consistency, and, you know, that's that's quite impressive. Well, it, it is, considering, again, in comparison to your history. Now, in comparison to a Duke, no, it's, it doesn't amount to that. But in comparison to BC's history, yes, that's a, that's a phenomenal run for you. I mean, and, you know, seven out of ten years, eight, actually eight out of ten, we go to postseason play because we go to NIT one year. Yep. And, you know, and the program is at a level that it has not been ever in programs in, in the school's history. And so it, it was, you know, it was a great time for us. We had some great players, some individuals that, you know, we had a player of the year, you know, we had a player of the year in the Big East, and you know, we had a player of the year in the ACC. We had first-team all-league players, and whether ACC or Big East, they were, you know these guys were competing. I remember Craig Smith and Carmelo and Carmelo was going for you know the Rookie of the Year. We go up to Syracuse, and whoever wins that game, they gets the Rookie of the Year. Unfortunately for us, Syracuse won, so Carmelo gets the Rookie of the Year. And they went on to win a national championship that year. But my point is that that that's where that's the level that we were competing at at that particular time. And then, Coach, last couple questions. Just describe your offensive philosophy those times with the flex. A lot of people, I don't know if they realize that. Just give us your quick coaching mindset on that and uh, on their defensive side as well during those times at BC. Well, the thing about, the, really, the thing about what I really liked about, well, you, everyone calls the flex, I call it my basic offense. What I like about <laughs> it is it, it teaches to play without the basketball. Everyone does screen and roll, which, and we did it too. But it really teaches you to play without the basketball, to be able to catch, to be able to pass, to be able to think, to recognize defense, to, you know, and, and, and be able to utilize your teammates and have guys communicate with each other and, and, and to coordinate it. And so that was our basic offense, but that was the reason and behind it because it was a teaching tool. And it still is for me to this day. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's, it allows us to control the game, particularly on the offensive end. Most teams want to control the game with their defense, which is probably, you know, is the common way to do it. But on the road, it allowed us to control the game. If things start to get out of hand, okay, you know what, we can slow this down a little bit. Let's execute. Let's just turn it over a few times. Let's get them to play defense. Let's put them, let's, 
let's not be in a hurry. And even though we ran this offense, I, and when I was in the the Big East, we were the second leading scorer. I mean, we had the second leading scoring uh, team in, in, in the Big East. UConn was first with about 82 points a game. We were about almost 80 points a game. So even though we went, we, we played with a continuity, it was a high percentage. We got, we shot high percentage shots and we made them. And that's really what I concentrate on. And it worked just as effectively in the ACC because again, you're teaching basketball skills. And once guys got un- understood it, they learned to play with each other, they learned to share it, and, and it really made us a good ball club. And it made us solid. And defensively, we did a little bit of everything. We played some zone, we played some man to man. Man to man was our, was our basic offense, but we did play some matchup. Uh, we, some teams pressed. Uh, the team that won the ACC, I mean, that won the Big East in the regular season and the Big East tournament, that team pressed. It extended the floor and pressed, and, and they did a good job. And, and the team that went to the ACC championship game and tournament, I mean, ACC championship game, that team was a half-court team. They played half-court. We ran a lot of half-court offense. We didn't extend the floor. Our defense was compact. So I had teams win in a number of different ways, depending on what my talent was that particular year. Coach, was there a difference in coaching in the Big East versus the ACC, or not really at all? Um, uh, well, we played the same way, so teams had to play the same way against us. We were a physical team, whether it was in that, whether we were a physical offensive team. You know, we set a lot of screens, we moved a lot of bodies, so we played the same way uh, defensive. I mean, offensively. So they had to adjust to that. Defensively, it wasn't. Um, and the ACC, the game was a little more open. Obviously, North Carolina likes to get up and down. Um, Duke likes to get up and down. Virginia Tech at the time liked to get up and down. <clears throat> so, so defensively, it was a little bit different because of that style of play. Um, but offensively, we were the same team, and teams really had to adjust to us, and that was, uh, that was a challenge for them because, we, like I said, we played differently than most other teams. And then looking back at your BC moments, what, what is there a moment that sticks out to you? A single game, maybe an NCAA tournament. What, what sticks out to you in your career at BC when you look back in that time period as one of your most well, proud moments? Unfortunately, the game that that probably haunts me more than anything else is the game we lost to Villanova in the in the, in the final eight. Yes, yeah. Um, because um, you know we had it won, we had it under control, we had it won, and we made a mental mistake which they took advantage of and was able to score the winning basket. Um, and that team went on to go on to the Final Four and and um, and win a national championship that year. So um, so that 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 game was that game was is one that stands out in my mind because uh, it was a it was a poor call made by the official along with our mistake that allowed Villanova to win. And then, Coach, let's like I got to ask you something. The, the end of the time at BC, March two thousand ten. What do you remember about that period? Uh, Gene DiFilippo, that meeting with him, how did it all wrap up there if I, with you at this Obviously, that was very disappointing because, we, as I, you know, as I said earlier, we were just starting to hit stride. We were just starting to get involved with some outstanding talent. As a matter of fact, I, I, matter of fact, I told him, I said, you know, Gene, I said, you know, we're getting involved with some really good talent. You know, we should, we, we're eventually going to have a t- the type of talent that's going to allow us to get to a final eight and hopefully to a Final Four. I said, so I'm pretty excited as far as the future goes, as far as our recruiting. Uh, you know, it's a good great. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm really enthusiastic. I'm really excited about it because 
at the time. We still we still had Reggie Jackson, who was who was come who came off the bench for me. He wasn't even a starter, and, in, and he's obviously pl- still playing professionally today. That's that's the kind of talent that we had, and that we were starting to uh, accumulate. And so I'm really excited about us moving forward. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the university saw it differently. I, I still don't still can't explain that that's for them to explain but it was disappointing because it took us that long i mean i had already been there 13 years it had taken us that long to establish bc as a basketball as a as an environment that could be successful in basketball even with the understanding that you're in a professional city you know you know it's the patriots it's the red sox it's you know it's the celtics it's the you know and rightfully so, but there was a place for BC. We just weren't going to be at the top of the page. But the fact is that we still could get our share of recognition. And it took us a long time to establish that this was this could be a great basketball environment with a tremendous amount of success. And um, I just think someone just lost focus on on what it was, on, on on what the environment that we were in. And it was disappointing because, like I said, we would. I mean, we had had some success, very similar to Villanova, where we were. Villanova, with Villanova and BC at that time were very similar. Our records were very similar. Actually, I probably had a few more wins than than than, than, than Coach did at that time. Yep. But we were in a very similar place. But it, look how long it took them. Look how long it took Jay to get to finally get to this point where he is now. It takes that long to establish a program to elevate itself to that level. And the reason is because there's not, there's not a lot of room at the top. And those who are at the top, they're not moving. They're not, they're not, I mean, Duke is still there. North Carolina is still there. You know, it's hard to, to replace those individuals. And we were just getting to that point. And that's a whole new level. That's a whole new level. Um, for the, for, for the university, for Boston College. And, and like I said, that's the part that's disappointing for me because I thought we were starting to get to that point. And then do you, Coach, before going to Kennesaw State, you're, do you still follow BC from afar? Do you still, you're the all-time winning as coach. Do you still root for them? Obviously, Jared Dudley's still in the league. Just talk about what, how you follow BC now. Well, I, actually, my relationship is more with my former players than with Boston College. I mean, I, you know, I'm obviously somewhat familiar but with the, to be honest, the lack of success that they've had. Yeah. And um, but that was through their own choosing. Um, but I really is more. I have my relationship is more with my former players, whether it's Troy Bell, Tyrese Rice, Jared Dudley, Craig Smith, Hugo Agby, on and on and on and on. Lewis Hennett. Um, you know, those are the individuals that that. Uh, that that I kind of you know stay in contact with and 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 just and those relationships is what I follow. Um, BC's basketballs, you know, I, I I don't concern myself with it too much because they, to be honest, since I left, they haven't had they've had very little success. As a matter of fact, it's been I'm sure as a as a BC graduate or BC graduates that people are quite disappointed with the way the program is now in comparison to where it was some years ago. So, you know, like I said, even prior to me coming. You know, they had some, but when you have a lot of turnover, that's the problem that you have. And then, again, there's not enough talent in the New England area to sustain its program. And um, um, UConn may be finding that out now because of the changes they made because they've had, they've had some changes. And 
you know, it's, it's going to be hard to be, it's going to be hard to bounce back for sure. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Okay, Coach, let's fast forward now. You took a couple years off. You went to Bryant. Just talk about that experience working with Coach O'Shea and then leaning to become a head coach now at Kennesaw State. Yeah, I mean, working at Bryant was, uh, you know, I, again, you know, Tim and I have been, had, had, I have had a friendship for a long time and worked with me at URI and, and uh, obviously through the years of BC when he was at high university we you know we shared ideas you know philosophies and he had an opening and he called gave me a call and said you know would I would I be interested and I was like yeah why not I'll help you you helped me all these years why can't I try to help you and um, so we did so I did that and we we you know for Bryant we had some success for what for the history of what Bryant was they won a they won a, a, a tournament game which they hadn't done before. They've had some success. And so I was very pleased by how competitive the, the program was while I was there. And, um, and you know, then all of a sudden this opportunity occurred here at Kennesaw State. Um, to be honest, I was, had not, was not at all familiar with, with the university. And when I came down, Vaughn Williams invited me down and, and asked me to take a look and and I, when I walked around campus and, and I walked through the facilities and what they had to offer, and you know, I was like, well, you know, I said this this can work. It's you know, a, you know, it's a great university. It's grown a lot. It's got a reputation. The academic reputation is growing, uh, especially throughout the South. Um, so you know, so now, as I as I told Vaughn, I said, listen, I said, you know, don't bring me here if you don't want to win. If you want to win, then I'm your guy. If you don't want to win, I, I'm not going to be window dressing. I'm not going to be sitting around begging you, you know, I need to do this, do that. I said, you know, we. I want to win. If you want to win, then I'm your guy. Obviously, he decided he wanted to win. And uh, we've been trying to build a program ever since. And, I'm, you know, I'm really happy about, you know, with, the way, <clears throat> with our recruiting. And, unfortunately, with the way the rules are, it took us a little while to work our way through this. But I think we finally got the kind of talent that's going to allow us to be successful in the Atlantic Sun. So, um, so I'm, I'm really pretty excited as, as we move forward. But even in saying that, when I first came in, I think we elevated ourselves from, from a team that was not only last place, but probably the worst, t- worst team in the league to, uh, to the middle of the pack and, and on the upper, upper half of the league. And we've been there the last couple of years. And now, you know, we're looking to get to the top of this league, and I think we got the talent to do it. So I'm really excited about uh, the opportunity here. I'm excited about the future of the program uh, because I think we've finally got ourselves the kind of talent that we need and, and the attitude that it's going to take for us to be successful. 
How is the recruiting different from New England? Now you're in the South. Um, what's the difference between the Atlantic 10 and the ACC in terms of recruiting? Well, I mean, as far as as far as for me, it's it's not it's not really different at all because we've always recruited nationally. Uh, we never we've never rele- relegated ourselves just to one area. Uh, even though there's some talent around the Atlanta area, uh, <clears throat> if we can get some talent, that's going to help us win the way to take it. Uh, but we're, but again, I'm not afraid to go outside the area to to get the talent, and that's what we're trying to do. So um, so the recruiting piece is is not much different. Excuse me. Um, we really are. We're, again, we're looking for that diamond in the rough and and a guy that wants a chance to play and, and and be successful. And then, coach, what's the outlook for this year's team this year? And is the NCAA tournament a realistic goal for this year? Or are we looking maybe two, three years down the road with you? Well, I, I I would say if we do it this year, it'd be quite a surprise. But I wouldn't. But in the next couple of years, I think it's clearly within reach. I think we'll get close this year. But they're returning a couple of veteran teams, and I think experience really pays off. Um, so I think in the long run, we, 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 we may come up short, but there's a chance that we have an Let's put it this way. We have the talent to do it. Now it's whether, whether we can go out and actually win the basketball games. But um, eventually the talent will emerge with the experience that will allow us to be successful. Uh, we made some great strides last year. Like they beat Florida Gulf Coast for the first time. Yep. Um, which which people are very excited about, and we have a we have a nice nucleus and some nice individuals returning. But like I said, some of our talent is young, and but if they mature, if we can get the leadership from our upperclassmen, then we can we can we can definitely surprise some people. And how do you like living in the Atlanta area? I know you just go to South Carolina a lot for vacation. Do you do you like Atlanta living down in Georgia? No, I, I enjoy. I mean, being around a major city was another factor for me. Being around Atlanta is another factor. Kennesaw is just twenty minutes north of Atlanta, so it's it's a great great place for me to live. And uh, there's enough going on in the city that 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 can entertain me and, and my family. So we're happy about that. My actually, my daughter went to school in the Atlanta area. She went to Spelman as a graduate of that university. So uh, so uh, so we're really happy about being here and. And um, I, I think I'm getting a little spoiled because I do not at all miss the winters in there in New England. <laughs> and lastly, Coach, last question. Take us. At, what does Al Skinner like to do in his free time when he's not coaching, say right now during the summer? What, uh, what's your ideal day, your free time activities? Well, to be honest, my, well, I'm, I'm trying to play a little tennis, but that's, that, when I say little, I mean exactly that, little. <laughs> all I do is chase the ball down and, and break a sweat and, and try to enjoy that a little bit, but... Um, I, but I, I'm a beach guy. I like, you know, going to the beach and jumping in the ocean, jump in and out of the ocean, you know, listen to a little music, relax a little bit. But uh, I'm definitely a beach guy. I want, to, I want to get to the beach. As soon as the weather gets over 80, 85, I, I want to head to the ocean. So that's, that's, my, that's my thing. And here's the most important question. Are you still playing the midday hoops games down on campus there in Atlanta? No, no, the, the hoop games are over. I'm, I'm, I try to play, like I said, I try to play a little tennis these days um, and, uh, and try to get my uh, aerobic exercise that way. All right. Well, hey, Coach, thanks a lot. It was great to catch up. I know the BC fans love to hear from you and uh, are rooting for you down in Atlanta. But thank you again uh, for joining us here on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. And, uh, and I, I hope this continues to go well for us. As, as, as you wish us good wishes, I wish the same for you. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally. 
including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Well, thanks so much to Al Skinner for joining us here on the Lights Camera Sports Podcast, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. What I really like about Coach Skinner is he's, he tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat anything, and he's just very straightforward and tells you how it is. You have to respect that, whether you're a fan, player, or, or a fellow coach on the coaching staff with him. A really great guy and a true asset to college basketball. Also, like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Also, if you'd like to join Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Love and Pizza, we have some very reasonable rates in terms of advertising here on the podcast. Just email lightscamerasports at gmail.com. Lightscamerasports ads, excuse me, at gmail.com. All right, everybody, thanks you so much for listening. We'll be back once again next week. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.